So is everybody recovered from D now? Yes, no, maybe so. Is anybody ready to run it back this weekend? Yeah. Do what? Camden's working on it. Very nice. Um, we're going to give Camden some time to heal the ankle. Does anybody still picking like confetti out of their hair or anything like that? Here's what I learned is that um, probably could have used like half as much confetti, but it was worth it. All right. Uh, so welcome back to Greenhouse, everybody. I hope you guys had a great weekend. Uh, for those that went on D now, welcome back. For those of you who are not able to attend, hey, we love you anyways. We're glad that you're here. I have that effect on people, so it's okay. Um, so we are grateful to see you guys. Let me ask you guys a question as we begin. Um, and also, I'm just going to warn you guys, I'm going to be tugging on this microphone a lot because Todd wore this headset over the weekend, and he doesn't have that big old like, bucket head like I do, so very uncomfortable. But anyways, has anybody ever by chance overheard something that maybe you weren't supposed to hear? Anybody? By show of hands. Uh, it has, has that thing that you overheard, was it good news? No? Okay, well, sometimes it can be good news, sometimes it can be bad news, things like that. Um, so I'll tell you guys a story. When I was like y'all's age, um, this is in even a little bit younger, like when I was in junior high, uh, seventh graders in the house when I was your all's age, there we go. Um, we used to go on church trips, but um, cell phones were not as like, a big deal at this time. So when we went on church trips and we had to caravan down there, what we had to do is we had to buy walkie-talkies, right? Are y'all familiar with walkie-talkies? Yeah. Okay, I find it interesting that the government has like all these really cool named things for like military and stuff like that, and then they settled on walkie-talkie. Um, but anyways, so uh, there was one time that we were driving to North Carolina and we had all the walkie-talkies, we were all linked up, and as we'd be chugging on down the line, every so often, our, I don't know how radio works or things like that, every so often our signal with the walkie-talkie would get crossed with like big rig 18-wheelers. And we'd kind of hear like breaker, breaker, blah, blah, blah. Like everything about CB radio, I just know from the Smokey and the Bandit movies. But yeah, East Fan and Dan. All right, anyways. So we'd be sitting here talking, and of course, as you know, teenagers, like if you were here and you had a magical walkie-talkie that magically linked onto the signal of an 18-wheeler, are you going to say, excuse me, sir, I think that our channels got crossed? Or are you going to like mess with them? Yeah, and so that's what we would do. And you guys would find this hard to believe that some of these drivers did not, A, take kindly to our jokes and take kindly to our, you know, trying, trying to start conversations with them. You would find that hard to believe. You might even find it hard to believe that some of these truckers used very colorful language uh, that we learned on our way to church camp um, and all that stuff. And so all that to say, like, there are these moments in life that maybe we overhear things. Maybe we overhear something good. Maybe we overhear maybe our parents talking about, like, what they're getting us for our birthday. Maybe we overhear somebody at school saying, hey, somebody like so-and-so. Maybe, maybe we hear good things. Maybe we overhear not-so-good things, things that don't make us feel so good. But, but what we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to talk about this moment in Scripture where we kind of get this, like, still, small whisper of the voice of the Lord calling somebody to do great things. 
that, that we're going to overhear this conversation, that if we would just stop and listen, that what God is saying to Samuel, he's saying to us here as well in this day and age. So if you have your Bibles, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And as you're turning there, uh, we're going to take a few weeks and just kind of study some of the lives of the prophets, some of the like big moments that happen in the lives of the prophets. Because what we see in the lives of the prophets is there are people who are being obedient to preaching and professing and proclaiming the goodness of God to a lot of times people that might not be as welcoming, might not be as accepting of that language, of that, of that word, of that message. And guys, like, what better thing for us to study is we're talking about being living sent to make disciples. We're talking about trying to be salt, trying to be light, that we study how some of the pros did it in Scripture, how we can take some of those things, apply it to our lives, so we might make a difference in our schools and our communities and everywhere else we go, okay? So 1 Samuel chapter 3, <clears throat> we're going to pick up 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, <clears throat> sorry, there was a young man named Samuel. Now, the young man said, Wait, <laughs> I'm sorry. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So stop right there for just a second. It said, there's that phrase right there that they throw in. The word of the Lord was not frequent during that time. That we didn't have a whole lot of like communication between God and his people at this time. Now, now why is that? Why would God hide himself during this time? God's not doing that on purpose. A lot of times when we think about why God feels so far away, we need to kind of examine our own heart, right? We sit here and say, well, God doesn't feel near to me. God doesn't feel close to me. And then we need to ask ourselves, okay, like how closely am I trying to follow the Lord? How much time am I spending with him? How much time am I devoting in my quiet time, in my day-to-day -day life to stay close to the Lord like that? And so if we're studying this just kind of historically, we're coming off of a period of history called the Judges, and we have a whole book dedicated to that. And kind of the, the, the cycle in Judges that we see more often than not is there's like step one where everything is going great, and the people are worshiping the Lord, the people are following the Lord, everything's wonderful. And that's a series of time, and then it goes to, well, now the people are starting to follow other gods, they're starting to follow other things, they're starting to drift, they're starting to turn away. And that continues, and that continues, and that continues until God finally has to say, okay, I need to do something to get my people's attention. And so they were worshiping the Lord, they're drifting, now they're finding themselves under punishment. Now they're finding their, their, their punishment for their actions. They're following the consequences of their sin, and they're finding these things. And so they're being conquered by other nations. They're being taken over by other nations. And then the next thing, when that happens, typically what do we do? We start recognizing everything we've done wrong, and who do we call out to in those moments of desperation? God. We call out to God. So the people would be conquered, they'd call out to God, and God would restore them. God would raise up judges. God would raise up people in the Bible that you know, like Samson. God would raise up people like Gideon. God would raise up people like that to fix everything, to kind of overcome their oppressors, and then we get right back to this moment where everything is great and everything is hunky-dory all over again. And a whole book of Judges just follows this cycle over and over and over and over and over again. And it comes to this point here in 1 Samuel. And so Samuel's here, and he's following the Lord, but this is in the midst of one of those times where the people are far away. The people are drifting. And so it says, the word of the Lord was not frequent in those days. So pick up in verse 2. It says, At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. 
So all that that says here is like, so Samuel is learning and he's growing and he's studying under this priest named Eli, okay? And, and there's a whole process how this came about in 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 2. But all that we know in this, in this scenario, it says that, that um, sorry, Eli's eyesight is growing dim. That, that Eli is old, that Eli is aging out, that there's coming this moment that Eli is looking, he says, I need to pass this on to the next generation. That I need to pass these next things. That I need somebody to pick up the torch. I need somebody to carry the ball. I need somebody to continue pointing people to the Lord. And guys, listen to me. We are that generation right now. We are those people. We are the people that it is our time to rise up and it is our time to take leadership. It is our time to take ownership. And it is our time to say that we are going to be the ones that are going to point, that are going to lead, are going to show people how to get back to the Lord. That is our responsibility as this generation. That is our time right here, right now, to prepare ourselves, to grow, to learn, to study, so that we could be the ones that points people back to the Lord, just like Samuel is doing right now. So verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, and he said, Here I am. I'm sorry, then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel said, Here I am. And Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said to him, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and laid down. Verse 6. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me again. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in this place. As I read this, like, I'm just overcome with these moments of like, feeling bad and feeling like, kind of sorry for Eli in this moment. Because yeah, as a parent myself, I recognize how valuable a good night's sleep is. But I also recognize that there's those moments where... Hank has other ideas. So Friday night, D now, I get home at like 1 o'clock, midnight 30, hanging out with 7th grade boys over at the Troutman house. I get home, you know, oh, I'm so tired. It's such a long day. I lay in bed, and literally 10 minutes later, the baby monitor goes, Wah! and so then you got to get up, and so you have to rock him back to sleep and put him down. And then later on, Wah! and then you got to get up, and you got to rock him back to sleep. You got to put him back. Parenthood's fun, y'all. The benefits outweigh the non-benefits, whatever that word is. But, but anyway, like we have this whole moment that, that there's this whispering conversation in the middle of the night. That God is sitting here and he's calling Samuel. He's saying, Samuel. And Samuel's freaking, like, I don't know if he's worried. I don't know if he's having a bad dream. I don't know if he's freaking out. I don't know what's going on. But every time Samuel starts hearing these words, he goes to Eli, wakes him up and says, hey, what do you need? I'm right here. What's going on? What's going on? In verse 7 is that key phrase right there. Verse 7, it says that Samuel had not yet known the Lord. The word was not revealed to him yet. That, that guys, for us, it goes back to what Jesus says in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Guys, for us to know what God is calling us to do, we have to know him. For us to know what God is asking us to do, we have to follow him. For us to know the plans that he has for our lives, we have to be in a relationship with him. We have to be able to decipher his voice. We have to be able to weed out what is of the world, what is of the Lord. We have to be able to know the voice of the Lord for us to follow him. 
And that phrase right there for us, Samuel, he didn't know the Lord yet. Now he's going to, he's about to come face to face with him. But all that to say for us is this, if you're sitting here tonight and you're trying to figure out what your purpose is in life, if you're trying to figure out what your future is, if you're wanting to know what God has planned for you for the next four years after high school, if you're wanting to know what God wants you to do with your life, if you're wanting to know what you should major in all these things, the question is, one, who are you seeking? Are you seeking the world? Or are you seeking the Lord? But two, for us to be able to know clearly what God is calling each and every one of us to do, we have to be in a relationship. We have to follow closely with it. And so this whole time, there's this conversation between God and Samuel. Samuel, hey, what's up? <laughs> like, what's going on? And so Eli gives him this great advice. And, and I love the fact that God has placed people in my life that have been able to weed out and decipher for me and point me in the direction of what I needed to hear and not what I wanted to hear. I love the fact that God has placed Christian parents, Christian role models, youth pastors, fellow pastor friends. I love the fact that God has placed people in my life who have been able to point me and say, okay, what you're doing is not what God is calling you to do. That's been able to point me and say, well, have you prayed about it? Has been able to point me and say, well, what, what have you been thinking about it? have been able to point me to and help me decipher and help me understand and clearly think out what God is calling and what God is asking me to do. In the same way, God has placed Eli here in this moment to help Samuel in that process. So verse 10, it says, And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Verse 15, Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that was told to you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you to do. Verse 18, so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. So, so quick, there's a little weird moment here that, that we have to have some context earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 2, that we see this moment of God kind of cutting off the house of Eli. And one of the reasons for that was because Eli's sons were being disobedient, were being knowledgeably disobedient. And so the blessing that was on the house of Eli, God took off, and now he's bestowing it kind of upon Samuel right here. Almost like kind of that birthright, almost kind of a blessing that he's taking it off and bestowing it to Samuel. He's giving this new gift over here to Samuel. And, and I think two things out of this that, that we see. Like one, like God is about to do a great big thing in the life of Israel, in the life of its people. God's about to do something absolutely incredible. God's about to do something. I love how it says in verse 11, it says, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I don't know why that just sounds so cool to me. It sounds kind of funny to me. But, but something so amazing that everybody who hears it are going to be on notice. That God has got something great in store for the house of Israel, for the people of Israel. And guys, the question I have for us is this. 
does God have something similar in store for us? Do you believe that God has great things in store for us? Not, not the blessings of like, oh, prosperity and everything, but does God have great blessings? Does God have great revival? Does God have great movement? Does God have something great in store for the life of Mount Zion Baptist Church? Does God have something great in store for this student ministry? You know, we, we read throughout Scripture, we read the Bible all the time, and we see time and time again where God does these mighty, amazing works that he saves whole people, that, that he brings miracles, that he redeems, he saves, he does all these great things. And, and we sit here and we read it in a Bible, we read it in, in the book, and we think like, okay, can he do the same thing now? I think absolutely he can. I think if you look around us that God is stirring something up in this country, that God is stirring something up in the hearts of his people, that something great is on the horizon a great, mighty work of God is on the horizon for us, for this community, for Huntsville, for Alabama, for America, for around the world, that God is on the precipice of doing something amazing. And what God says, hey, I'm about to do something great. I'm about to do something amazing. And Samuel, I want you to be a part of it. And so there's two things I want to ask you know, that, that we point out. Hey, God's up to something great, but he's telling Samuel that you have a role to play in it that you get to have an opportunity to serve, that you get to have an opportunity to have a front row seat, that you get to have an opportunity to be bent, to be stretched, to be molded, that you get to have an opportunity to do something amazing. Guys, God has great things in store for all of you if we would simply be obedient and we would submit to that. We can follow lots of really cool things in this world. We can follow the world. We can have success by the worldly standards, or we can choose to submit, and we can choose to follow God. We can choose to follow his plans. We can choose to follow this thing that's going to make the ears tingle. We can choose to be a part of revival in this world. We can choose to be a part of great stuff that's happening. And that is an individual decision that we have to make for ourselves. Because, yes, there are great blessings that come with following the Lord. There's also sometimes some moments that can be a little bit inconvenient as well. You look in Scripture, yes, like all the times that people were boldly obedient to follow the Lord and all the blessings that came, but also understand this, that obedience to follow the Lord also landed people in fiery furnaces, also landed people in lion's dens, also landed the disciples in hot water, also landed Paul in hot water. Also, this, this obedience that God is calling us to do can sometimes be inconvenience for ourselves. But listen to me, that inconvenience is overshadowed by the great blessings of being a part of God's plan for your life. By simply saying yes, by simply saying no, by simply being obedient, saying yes to the things that God is wanting us to say yes to, saying no to the things that God is wanting us to say no to. That we have an opportunity to play a role in God's redemptive story for his people. Let's think about that. You have an opportunity to play a role in a friend, in a family member, in somebody that you know coming from death to life. That you have an opportunity to play a role in someone who does not know Christ coming to know them as Lord and Savior. That you have an opportunity to play a role in giving someone the same joy, the same peace, the same comfort that you yourself have as a believer. That you have an opportunity to bring that gift to them as well. And that's going to come through being obedient to God. That's going to come through saying yes. As Samuel says, speak, Lord, your servant is here. And so, guys, as we're closing things out tonight, I'm going to ask the band to come on up. And there's those two questions kind of there towards the end. 
that we've kind of been focused on at the end is just thinking like, one, okay, can God do something amazing again? Do we really, in our heart of hearts, do we believe that God can do something great in this country again? Do we believe that God can do something great in the, I'm sorry, do we believe that God can do something great in the lives of his people again? As we, have, as we have read it, as we have seen it, as we have believed it all throughout Scripture, for some of us all of our entire lives that we've seen time and time and time again that God has done great things, can he do it again? I believe absolutely yes, he can. And then the second part is, okay, if he can do it again, do I want to be a part of that? I know for me personally, absolutely yes, I do. But again, guys, that is a decision that you have to make for yourselves. And that is something that's going to happen. Our role in revival, our role in God doing mighty works, our role in God's plan for for our lives is simply going to come through saying yes to individually following him. And so if you're here tonight and you're kind of like Samuel earlier in this book, that that you don't know the Lord, you don't know the things, you don't know the plans that he has for you, here's what I encourage you to do. Tonight, find a small group leader, find a friend, find somebody who has made that decision to follow the Lord pull them aside and ask them questions. Ask them what that means. Ask them, and and hey, if you're that friend that they're pulling aside and they're asking, and you might not know those questions, find somebody else, pull somebody else. I mean, we can have everybody here coming to know the Lord. We can have everybody here having gospel conversations. We can have everybody here making plans of what we're going to do to serve the Lord tomorrow morning when we wake up and we go to school. Yes, we we see throughout the lives of the prophets that, that that God does great things, that God makes great promises, that God has great things in store for our lives. If we would boldly and obediently say yes to follow him, we can have a role in his awesome plan for our lives, for this church's life, for this country's life, for everybody's life. We can bring life to a lifeless world through Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. And God, we're grateful that everything crazy that's going on in the world, everything that seems dark, everything that seems evil, everything that seems demonic, everything that just does not seem to be going the way of the Christian, God, that you're not surprised by it. God, that you're not sweating about it because you're so much bigger, you're so much stronger, you're so much more in control than any of those things could ever be. God, I pray for my friends in this place. I pray for them who have known you for their entire lives. God, I pray that tonight, I pray that sometime this week, I pray that sometime in their lives would just be a time of stillness to focus on your voice, to focus on what you're calling us to do, to focus on the plans that you have for us. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be so in tune with your plans God, that that we can't even hear the voices of the world, that everything is drowned out because your truth is screaming loud in our face, Lord. God, I pray that you would do awesome things in the life of this church, in the life of the student ministry, in the life of every individual here. God, I pray for those who are here that have never made a decision to follow you. God, Convict sin. God, give courage to have, to approach people. Give courage to have difficult conversations. 
God, give wisdom to the people that they approach about what it means to follow you. But God, let us leave this place free. Let us leave this place hopeful. Let us leave this place on fire that you are going to do a mighty work in us, through us, for those in our lives, Lord. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.